Gordon the DeWitt. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Doing great. Cool. Well, how was your commute in? Everything okay? No traffic? And Everything was fine. A little bit of rain, but, uh, you know, I'm here. I made it. Well, I appreciate you coming and appreciate you not, uh, you know, having to struggle too much with the rain or getting a wreck. I certainly would feel feel bad about that. Um, but yeah, we had a little drill, drizzle this morning that came out of nowhere and I thought we were, I thought we were ready for spring. And next thing you know, it's just like, Oh, let's go back down to forties at night. And I talked to our folks in, in Utah and they have snow today uh, in Utah. So it's just not letting up, but anyway, so appreciate again, you coming here. This is going to be a fun talk. Um, yeah. you know, just to let the folks out here to, uh, today know what we're going to discuss direct contracting, bundle pricing, zero, all of these things yep. today. I think it's going to be really good conversation that I think will um, present the audience maybe some new concepts in the marketplace outside what you think of a traditional network, right? Yep. But before you do that, I'd like to ha let the audience get a chance to know you, uh, personal, professional background, and what led you to zero. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I pers uh, we'll start with personal. So personal, I have a, a four-year-old daughter named Emma. Cool. And uh, kind of funny, you have a four-year-old as well. What we month was she born? Uh, she was born in November. November. Okay, so she's a little older. My, my daughter was born in, in February. So. Okay. Okay, but anyways, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was no. like, you have a four-year-old too? Okay. I know, right? Um, and then my husband and I, we've been married for 12 years. Um, and uh, we live in uh, Copper Canyons in between uh, Flower Mound and uh, Highland Village area. Okay. Um, so I love it. We have a acre, but I live a minute from Whole Foods. Oh, I'm <laughs> super jealous of both of the things that you just said. Yeah. They were supposed to bring a Whole Foods up here and, you know, something went through in the development two years ago and it's just been the shell of a, right. a Whole Foods. But you also have an acre, which I, I think I'm more jealous of that. But awesome. So do you guys have any livestock or anything or is no, this just simply just a, an acre no, of space? No, no livestock. Um, kind of trying to figure out the outdoor living with the pool and the patio and all that. We moved in. In November of 2019. Okay. Um, so, you know, we're there during the pandemic, yes. which uh, was interesting. And we're just now getting to know our neighbors. We had a October hayride and we're able to know our, na our neighbors from that. And it's been really awesome. We love our neighborhood. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of personal and then can get into some other stuff as well and personal, but professional. Um, how I learned about Zero uh, is really I was intrigued uh, by self-funding. I didn't know that much about it. My uh, background is I was started out in payroll, okay. um, was with Paychex for about seven years, and then moved into Benetrack, a Ben Admin company, and that's where I was uh, into the insurance world. And were they doing actual uh, insurance lines of coverage? No, in addition? okay, no benefit administration systems. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and then was with Web Benefits Design as well, a Ben Admin company, and just talking with insurance consultants and having conversations and just kind of understanding um, how insurance insurance works and then also how it doesn't right I think that's more fascinating to me is how it doesn't work because yes. those are the problems that you can solve for people which is fun exactly and so when I heard about zero and what we do and we'll get into yeah. you know what we actually do but what I felt is that it was a level of impact that I could impact people directly as a sales professional um, that I'd never seen before. Yeah. You know, giving the option to members at $0 cost and no uh, risk to the employer was really intriguing to me. Mm -hmm. um, and just the opportunity to save employers money. 
Um, and I just saw it as a really great opportunity that I couldn't say no to. So that's very cool. Well, I, I love what you guys are doing. I actually remember years and years ago when I was calling on the Tulsa market yeah. um, and met, met Jim as well and yeah. heard uh, about the early kind of inception of, of zero or sure. zero card at the time. Yeah. Right. Um, now zero. I thought it was uh, incredible. So I, I can't wait to ask you some really detailed questions about that. I do want to ask though, how did you go from fashion merchandising to, to insurance and payroll? And what, sure. what, tell me what that transition Great was like. Great <laughs> question, Spencer. Yeah, so totally random. Um, you know, I don't know, maybe the dress helps with the fashion merchandising, knowing that, that you know, what to wear or whatever. Um, but I actually got into fashion, fashion merchandising. I was working at the Buckle at the time. Uh, so. Okay, okay. I know the Buckle, yes. Yeah, yeah. So kind of funny. I was uh, selling Lucky Jeans and Doc Martens. That was the beginning beginning of my sales career mm -hmm. and uh, worked there for seven years and thought, hey, maybe I want to manage a store. Um, so at the time I was doing an advertising major business minor and then just found fashion merchandising really intriguing. And so I switched. Okay. I went to a fashion merchandising business minor. And then after uh, college, I discovered I actually did not want to work seven days a week at the <laughs> Buckle managing a store. Um, so I was in the Zell um, merchandising training program okay. at, at the time. And I don't even think Zell's is around right now. I don't know yeah, if I'm familiar with yeah, that. Yeah, but um, I uh, Diamonds um, oh. is, is what oh, it was, oh, Diamonds oh, okay. for assistant buyer. So it was really cool. Um, but as an assistant buyer, I was entering SKUs all day. And since I had had a taste of sales, mm -hmm. um, I, I wanted that again. And so I um, actually went into sales through telecom. And then from telecom, I went to uh, Freeman um, Decorating. I was in their national exhibitor sales. Okay. And was actually during their um, bank, it was in the banking crisis. So I sat through three rounds of layoffs and a furlough. I was like, man, like I gotta, I gotta do something else. Sure. And I miss outside sales because that's what I had done in telecom. Um, so I actually went to Paycom, worked at Paycom for a year, uh, and then went over to Paychex. Um, I liked the opportunity with Paychex because there was more to the offer than just payroll. And then from Paychex is where I discovered uh, Benetrack uh, for the Ben Admin roles. Well, so, so I feel like you there are the you go. Yeah, you're the type of person though. You you seem most uh, of course attracted to the the interpersonal aspect of it. The for sale sure. that you said outside sales. I, I totally get it. Right, the yeah. in person meetings and having drinks and lunch, but it's relationship building. It. We, we talked about this on the last show. It's relationship building more than anything. So I feel like whatever it is, uh, you, know, you probably could sell it uh, just yeah. knowing your personality. Thank you. Um, but then, of course, here, you know, Zero is, is actually a really cool solution yeah. as well. So before we get into specifically Zero, maybe we'll talk about the space that you guys operate in, sure. the category, if you will, yeah. and then what specific kind of solutions you guys offer in particular. Sure. So, you know, we, we, we talk self-funding on this podcast. That's the overarching sure. theme of this. Um, but within that, we have administrators and we have stop-loss carriers and we have brokers and yeah. other sorts of vendors. Uh, but you guys are, are focusing on the network component itself or maybe yeah. the lack of network, mm -hmm. right? So could you help maybe the folks that out there that don't know what a network is, describe what a traditional network might be and sure. then where you guys fit as a solution in, in the inverse of that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when I think network, I just think carrier. 
Um, and the carrier has worked to create this network. So that can be a PPO, that can be a high deductible health plan, that can be an HMO. Um, HSA could also be, you know, a type of funding arrangement. But what's really cool about us is we don't disrupt the network. Okay. We actually sit on top of it cool. as a voluntary benefit. So you can have whatever carrier you want and still have zero. Okay. And the specific uh, procedures that we're looking at is anything that can be scheduled. So when you're thinking about zero, and again, we're working with self-insured uh, employers, and when you're thinking about zero, you're thinking about anything outside of primary care. So we're never going to be your everyday doctor. Okay. And before hospitalization, we're never going to be your seven-day hospital stay. Okay. So we're looking at specific categories. Uh, we run across 44 um, specific uh, categories. And then um, based on that, it's labs, it's imaging, it's physical therapy, it's uh, gastroenterology, orthopedics, and then any type of general surgery. Okay. And, and so you guys are working directly with the providers, right? Is that where the right. term direct contracting actually works? So, Correct. So tell me how, what we, how would you define direct contracting? Because that seems to be a buzzword the last few years sure. that people are looking at. Sure, sure, sure. Absolutely. So direct contracts, you know, overall, we have an access problem. And so what we're really doing with direct contracts is we're tying the member, we're taking out that middleman and going directly to the provider to do what's best for the member. Okay. So what I mean by that from a provider standpoint, what's really cool about what I do, um, we have great relationships with our providers and they want it to work just as much as we do. And the reason that they like us is really three things. We eliminate their accounts receivable, which is huge. They're mm -hmm. not having to track down payments because it's zero dollars, zero copay. That's where you get the name zero. Yeah, makes sense to me. Right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Exactly. And then the second thing, we're bringing them new members. And in order to do, uh, to bring them new members, we have to have those employer relationships in specific areas, which we'll talk a little bit about. Okay. And then the third thing is we pay them within seven days of the claim. So as soon as the provider uh, bills us, we bill the employer directly. Okay. And then the way that we get paid for our services is very simple. We charge a 15% admin fee on the claim. Okay. So there's no reoccurring fee. There's no fixed cost There's or anything no like that. fixed yeah. cost. There's no per eligible per month. We are only billing if we're saving someone money. Okay. And there's nothing to really budget for because it's all coming out of the claim dollars. Well, so that's, it's really, I mean, it's pretty much, there's no... I wouldn't say there's no objections, right? But if you say, hey, well, you're not being charged up front. Yeah. You're only going to be uh, charging if and when we save you money on these certain procedures. Sure. And the proof will be in the pudding there, right? We'll be able to clearly show you the differential of what yeah. would have been charged versus what um, using with zero card. So so that's direct contract. And again, so that would be the employer and the uh, provider was is what the direct contract would be, right? Is Am I understanding that correctly or no? Well, so we're actually going out to the providers directly, okay. and we're negotiating bundles. Okay, you're no, you're so bundles. That's that was going to be the other part of yes. the question. So bundle pricing, then made that yes. perfect segue. Thank perfect you so much segue. for that. Yes, read your mind. So bundle pricing, what would that be? Yes. Yeah, so when I say bundles, I mean pre-op, um, post-op, surgery, facility, surgeon, basically everything that you need for that one procedure. So when you're going to a hospital, they're going to charge you for the anesthesia. They're going to charge you the surgeon. They're going to charge you, you know, basically all a cart you to death of every single line item where we're saying this one procedure that you're getting under this one CPT code is going to be this price. Okay. So the people actually get to know up front what it's going to cost. That seems like a, a fascinating and novel concept in the healthcare yep. industry, right? But that's a... Uh, 
you know, it's funny when you we, we, you talk about that traditional network arrangement sure. too, where you've got your copays and your coinsurance, and you go in and say, "Hey, I need this," and they say, "Well, give us your copay," right? And then we'll bill you later, and you'll know what your coinsurance is and the amount that your coinsurance was based on. It's just story of our lives, okay, right? Okay, I guess that I'll have to. You don't really have a choice, but you guys are offering something that's very unique. Yeah. So. When you set up this bundle pricing, how are you, you know, how are you working with the providers or how do you know up front? Are they giving you a, a menu or a suite of services and say, yep. you do this procedure, this is what it's going to cost? Great right? question. So um, most of the providers that we're working with, they already have bundle pricing. Some of them even publish online um, their pricing. And so essentially, we're um, as much as my role is, I'm reaching out to consultants and talking with employers. I also have a provider recruiter that reaches out to the providers directly and knows those relationships. And what we're looking at is we're really looking at quality over quantity. We don't want every single provider in the area because that does nothing for our actual providers. So we're really looking at, first and foremost, we're looking at quality. Um, We're making sure that they do have the quality services that they say, and we're actually vetting all of our providers through Quantros. Are you familiar with them at all? I've heard of Quantros, but maybe elaborate on what they are. Yeah, yeah. So Quantros is um, the scoring system for specific procedures. Okay. And what is interesting is, you know, the big hospital systems may not have the best quality scores, but those are going to be on the carriers as far as, you know, where you should go. So when you're dealing with zero, you know that you're going to get three things. You're going to get cost. You know what the cost is. Mm -hmm. You're going to make sure we're going to get the quality for you. And then we're also going to make sure that it's convenient. So the heart of zero is actually our personal health assistants. Um, So our personal health assistants are really the heroes of the company that work with our members directly to make sure and schedule that procedure for the members. Um, So how it works is, as much as we are this cool healthcare company, we're also really um, a data company as well as far as our technology. So we have our own proprietary software called GoZero, where the members will, uh, they can either call or they can chat with our personal health assistants. And then from there, um, all of our providers will have access to that software. And then we actually survey all of our members after the fact. And I know Jennifer talked a little bit about this uh, for the net promoter score. Um, Our net promoter score is 94, um, which is unheard of in healthcare. Well, it's funny. I'm I'm becoming aware of this net. (laughs) I mean, I've heard people, oh, our net promoter score is great. I'm like, well, oh, cool. I don't know what that means. Awesome. Good for you. Um, So it's funny. I've been introduced to this now twice about what, so I I presume that's a really high score, right? Yes. It's right up there with Tesla and Starbucks. Who doesn't want to drive their Tesla? Uh, And drink their Starbucks weather. (laughs) that's awesome so well that's very cool i think i guess that's one of those things where there's actually quantifiable hey we're doing a good job and here's the proof uh the members are happy the folks that are actually utilizing our services are happy um so you know we're we're, you're going to these providers though and you know you're negotiating with them of course to to do these arrangements um and you don't want everybody of course like you said because you don't want to maybe dilute the value and the quality of that What is their reception to this idea? Is it still too novel for them, or are they coming around more to this versus that traditional network? Sure. I mean, it depends on the provider, um, but the biggest thing is they're seeing it as an aggregator of cash-paying patients. So if you were to go and you see you need a knee replacement, and you mm-hmm. say, hey, here's $30,000 for my knee replacement, they're not going to turn you down. They're probably going to give you a, a good deal. So essentially what we're doing is we're negotiating whatever that cash price would be, 
um, and providers are really catching on to it. A, it gets their name out there. Um, and also, you have to realize from a provider standpoint, they have business development professionals just like you and I going out to employers. So a lot of these providers were already having direct contracts with the employers. We're just giving them more members. So you're act, acting as almost like a broker's broker and helping people get through the in door a sense, for yeah. the provider, a provider's provider, maybe I'd say. Exactly. That's, that's yeah. and is it, you know, this concept I'm familiar with, again, co- covering Oklahoma, for whatever reason, it seems like the idea of bundle pricing seemed to have come somewhat out of the Oklahoma City and Tulsa market. Dr. Keith Smith uh, yes. is there. And it is, I presume there's a relationship between there Jim. Is, okay. yes. is this maybe what triggered some of the uh, original uh, inception yeah. of Zero? Sure. So our CEO of our company, uh, Jim Milloway, um, James Milloway, some um, may know him as uh, James, but goes by Jim. Um, he started the company. He had the insurance background. So he knew, you know, the insurance. He also knew the problems with insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then our chief medical officer, also infectious disease doctor, uh, Dr. Stan Swartz, was the one that had all the provider relationships. He understood additional fees, money that was built in, all of the bureaucracy mm-hmm. that goes mm-hmm. along with the billing. So okay. he was, Jim was the insurance guy. Um, Stan was the provider guy that understands the payments. And I'll talk a little bit more about our data. Uh, and then we have our chief technology officer, Wim DePril, uh, that's actually located in Denver, Colorado, that does all of our technology. So um, I think I'd share this, but as much as we are this cool health uh, care company, we're also our technology company as well. So we have our own proprietary software, Go Zero for the scheduling. We have our own member software for our members um, to chat, to call in. And then we also have our own software for the employers for all the reporting and everything that they need at their fingertips. Um, but what's really cool about us is proof of concept. If we can get the claims data, we can actually look at claims data and we can compare that to what our pricing is and we put together what we call our opportunity analysis where we can see that the average savings for the employer is anywhere from 40 to 50 percent. Okay and on those obviously on those certain types of procedures Mm -hmm. that fit in your your wheelhouse. So I mean I think anybody that really understands the way these arrangements are set up realizes that uh, in the traditional way of uh, the payment model there is a lot of kind of poor, I don't want to say pork, but there's a lot of profit. There's a lot of margin that's yes. built into these contracts yes. that most people aren't aware of outside of the system. Yeah. You know, and I know one particular methodology that's uh, tried to attack this from a different angle is reference-based pricing. Yes. So how does how does that fit or sure. not fit in your, your model? I'd love to hear that. Yeah, reference-based pricing is actually um, just works alongside what we do. Um, they're not a competitor of ours in, as, in any way. Um, so really what we do is we eliminate that balance bill. Um, and again, for us, we're a voluntary benefit. So uh, the member can either choose to use it or not. We tell them if you have a scheduled procedure, call us. And then for the reference-based pricing, what they're doing is they're negotiating after the fact where we're negotiating before the fact. Okay. Right? So they are, are they compatible, like yes. you said? Or, okay. To, yes. So they are compatible. Two different things, really. Two different things, though. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, in, in Weston, do you know what uh, reference-based pricing is? I feel like I want to pull Weston all. in. Okay. So I use that term. Would you care to help tackle what reference-based I'll pricing? I'll let you start, and I'll, then I'll, uh, I'll add. I understand every word individually, but not maybe You're like, together. not when those three words are combined. <laughs> I have no idea what 
what that means. So reference-based pricing is best that I understand. And I actually have a gentleman coming on in a couple of weeks to really uh, go Perfect. deep on reference-based pricing. So reference-based pricing, uh, Weston in the audience, is the, the reference itself is Medicare, the, mm-hmm. the payment rate that Medicare actually allows for certain procedures, certain facilities, uh, locations, whatnot. So there's a standard at which they know what Medicare is paying for these procedures, and the reference-based pricing is basing their payment methodology on whatever that uh, Medicare payment rate is. Yep. So that's as, about as far as I go. I know it's usually somewhere yeah. 150 to 200% of Medicare, and then I'm probably going to yeah. watch the rest of it. But all it is is really a benchmark for which to pay because oftentimes there's incredible variance between carriers and incredible variance between providers for the same exact procedure. Yeah. So is at least so we know it's like don't get overpriced or so people so that they right. have exactly. some sort of standard yes. to follow. Yeah. So they're and not it, just kind of, oh, that cost. Yep. $500,000 when Medicare is only charging 1500 or something. Exactly. It was only willing to pay yeah. or reimburse. Yeah. Or, so you're exactly right. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, I wanted to pull you in, man, yeah. so we don't yeah. just talk yeah. all this jargon. So you, how did I do, though? Did you did is that Okay. I was just going to share with Weston, though. Um, you know, most people don't know that they have options. They get a bill, and, and that's it. Um, and so, you know, uh, I think people spend a lot of money telling people they don't have options. I've um, seen a lot of people with, like, depending on their bill, that they – will get an itemized list of their medical expenses and all of a sudden their medical expenses are like cut by 80% because they're just ignorant of the fact of that, oh, they don't have to be paying this much. Or well, that's what that's what you would call the discount. Yeah. Um, that's what, you know, so, the, you know, these carriers will sell you, I know we have 50% or 60% discounts and it's really discounts off of what? Whatever they want to bill and yeah. whatever astronomical amounts. Because so, you have no idea what they're charging. Exactly. You're just kind of like, I guess they fixed me and now I'm... Now I'm good and I owe them money is what all you know. And they can just take advantage of that. Yeah, exactly. So that's, I mean, that's kind of how it works. You know, reference-based pricing, RBP, value-based pricing as well is kind of similar. But so you guys are congruent or at least synergistic with that model. Yeah, we still see an average savings about 40% even with uh, reference-based pricing or or RBP. Um, So, you know, for us, if I hear someone has reference-based pricing, I'm like, great, let's look at the data. Let's let's see what we can do for them. Um, So... We, the main thing when I hear reference-based pricing is I hear that that employer or that consultant is innovative and, you know, they care about the savings mm-hmm. so that they love zero um, and they want to do everything they can to help that employer. Well, yeah, I, w- I would think from your perspective, they're almost a built-in audience because they exactly. already understand something that's a, yes. a couple levels removed from right. fully insured and they're going, oh, well, we're already receptive yeah. to that idea. So right. what's the next iteration yep. of that, right? Yeah. But so talk to me though, I know it obviously doesn't, work for everybody. You mentioned they do need to be self-funded, right? Is yes. that, is that I mean, so, Correct. So what is the reasoning behind that? I'd like to understand that. Sure, sure. Yeah. It just has to do with the flexibility of payment. Um, so fully insured, you're just paying the premium. So there's real no, there's no flexibility in uh, payment. That next level up, that level funded group, uh, it really kind of depends on the funding arrangement for level funded. But it, when it comes to the payments, it's more premium re- related yes. than self-funded. Um, so when they are self-funded, they have that flexibility to kind of do what they need. Um, I've heard the comparison before, and I kind of liked it. When you're self-funded, you're owning your house versus renting your house. 
I think that's a perfect right? way to summarize so it. So when you own your house, you can do what you need to do, right? Um, so it's the same type of thing with self-funding. We do have some TPAs that say, hey, we're level funded. We want to make this work with you. And sure, let's let's talk about it. Let's figure out how that works. So we are flexible. I mean, from our end, we'll work with anybody that wants to work with us. Sure. Um, but just having those conversations and seeing what all does that involve. Was there an ideal candidate, though? We'd obviously, prerequisite yeah. would be self-funded or level funded if it's with the TPA arrangement, but is there a type of employer or a size sure. of employer that tends to yeah. benefit the most? Yeah, so we usually find um, geographically uh, clustered in specific areas since we're not everywhere, um, and I can talk a little bit more about that, but sweet spot 500 to 2,500 lives, um, and we actually base it on number of members, so that's employee plus dependents. Um, we have uh, employers that are smaller than that. We have employers that are larger than that. Um, typically, the big national providers, 25,000 to 30,000, may not be a good fit. It just just kind of depends on that geography on where they're located. Was it only geography based or is there something at that size where they're doing, are they doing some of this in-house themselves? Or? They could be. Okay. They could be. I mean, a lot of those might have direct contracts that they're doing themselves. So it's not really our bread and butter per se. We really uh, gravitate towards that mid-market. Well, it's funny, you know, you're, uh, I think the, there's a repetitive theme here. Most of the folks that I talk to are focused on that middle market space. It yeah. seems like enormous area of opportunity, but it also is you maybe been an underserved market in terms of self-funding for a sure. number of years. Yeah. So I think almost universally speaking, the majority of the folks that I talk to and are in this space are focused on that. Like there's yeah. so much opportunity there, but those are the, also the types of employers that are starting to look for um, the next step in, in the process of yep. really taking control back of their healthcare spend. So yep. well, that makes sense. So, you know, is there anybody though, that's not a good fit? You know, you mentioned the jumbo employers are maybe below a certain threshold, but are there other situations outside of being fully insured where it's just, this isn't going to work? Geographic, you said? Yeah, great question. Um, actually high deductible health plan with HSA uh, based on the first dollar roll. Ah, okay. So that's usually, Can you explain that more though? I can. Yeah, please. I'd like yeah. to Yeah. So uh, the HSA regulation is the first dollar has to be spent on the HSA. So for us, because we're zero dollars, zero deductible, there's no way to actually bill for that. So we do have employers that will do a high deductible health plan without an HSA. Oh, okay. um, so we are seeing some um, creativity around that. We also have employers that say, hey, we've had the HSA, but we didn't know about zero. Like we'd rather do zero than the HSA because it's zero dollars, zero copay, mm -hmm. whereas the HSA, the employers are still paying for it. Okay. Um, and then we have some employers or TPAs even that say, hey, we want to add the HSA members as they become eligible. Okay. And that may work as well. So as they become eligible, what would, what would uh, that has to, to do uh, based on the actual deductibles that they hit? based on the individual or the uh, family contributions that go into the HSA. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. And that's actually something I wouldn't have considered as an impediment, but I yeah. guess it does make sense. You know, there's all sorts of laws and regulations yeah. of how you can spend your own money, but I, with tax savings and whatnot, it makes sense that there's going to be some steerage or sure. control there. Um, is there, you know, people love numbers. I, maybe it's just me, but I presume a lot of people like, 
I want to quantify this. Mm-hmm. You know, what, yeah, all of this sounds great, but yep. is there a specific situation where it really is best? Or is there an outcome that you guys have been able to derive that was sure. just, oh, wow, that's a feather in our cap of what we accomplished? That's the opportunity analysis. That's really the magic of what we do. It's one thing to say, hey, I can save you money. It's another thing to take your data and actually put together the information to show you I can save you 56% on your medical claim spend. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're thinking of what we're doing, we're about an average of 20% of the total medical claim spend. Okay, so when you're looking at the total medical claim spend, you'll see about 20% of that is the amount that we can impact. And then from that amount that we can impact, we're about 40 to 50% less than that number. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Is there a particular procedure, though, that you see is like, oh, we're always saving a lot of dollars on X, Y, or Z? I'd love to, you know, know, or is it too variable to really say? So what I can guarantee is cost containment. Um, so what we do is we look at the CPT code, we look at the high, um, the high end, we look at the average, we look at um, what our cost is. And what's so interesting is I'll look at, like, say, a blood, blood panel, and I'll see that blood panel at $6. And then I'll see it at thirteen hundred dollars, and then I'll see our price at five dollars. And so what we're really doing is we're guaranteeing that it's going to be the same price every single time. Okay. And that you're not following your doctor down the hall just because. In my instance, um, my doctor is Baylor uh, for my primary care. Well, they're automatically going to walk me down the hall to Touchstone because mm-hmm. Touchstone is owned. They uh, Baylor owns them. And so when I'm talking to that doctor, I say, hey, can I go anywhere? And the doctor's going to say yes, begrudgingly. Mm-hmm. And uh, then at that point, I would call zero, and I would reach out to a personal health assistant, and I would say, hey, my doctor says that I didn't need an MRI, and I'm walking them through that process. Well, that's, I'm glad you brought that up because I think there's a lot of cool ideas out there that work in theory, but the, sure. it, it all is still dependent upon the member actually utilizing that service or Absolutely. knowing it's even available. So, you know, messaging I'm sure is important, marketing yes. to those folks, but you mentioned call, maybe there's an, is there an app or something they yep. can utilize as well? So how do they get to you as quickly as possible to help? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we do have call. We do have a chat feature. Um, So it's a live chat. And then they just let us know. um, First and foremost, I'm Spencer. I'm located in Dallas, Texas. I'm looking for an MRI. So the personal health assistants are really the soul of what we do. We could not do what we do without them, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So they're the front line uh, to talk with our members. And then from that point, they'd say, hey, we have, you know, 14 imaging centers in your area. You know, we'll go ahead and let them know that you're coming schedule through the software and then your cost is always zero um, so again just making it nice and simple for the member yeah, that can be something that happens same day as well like oh yeah. yeah okay so I yeah, yeah. yeah you gave me a location oh that's cool that's two yep. minutes away they can drive there and it's gonna work you know seamlessly yeah like yeah right? just depends on the scheduling of okay. the company sure. I mean the MRI you don't have to get it that same day you know you're probably gonna 24 hours or, or whatever um, but yes it is available um, you know when that scheduling is and again we do all the surveys to make sure that the member experience is on par and that's where we get that 94 as far as the net promoter score so what are, what are those other six like where's the rest of the six points like, 
Um, so it's probably one person that's no, made a stink the, or something. The, yeah, the surveys you have to get a nine or a ten yeah. on every single. Line. Jen did an yeah. awesome she did, job she of did, explaining yeah. that yeah, promoter yeah. score. She knew all about it. That I'm was like, oh, the that's best cool. that's definition awesome. yeah. I've ever heard. Yeah. I was like writing notes on it. Um, but yeah, that's how it works. If you have to get a nine and a ten in every single survey. Well, what is you know? I know obviously I. I brought you on because I feel like you guys are doing something really cool yeah. and there is, it is working and well, zero started how long ago? Like seven, uh, 2016, 2016. Okay. Yes. So six, six years, well, five years, if I could do math. Um, but what, you know, certainly the, I'm sure there's been challenges along the way, right? We talked about it doesn't fit for every group. I'm sure you hear all mm -hmm. sorts of objections under the sun. You know, what sort of resistance are you getting as you're starting to try to shape behavior in this space? I'm sure like nobody, not everybody's saying yes overnight. So tell me about some of the challenges. I think yeah. the biggest challenge is taking the carrier for their word. You know, I get so many questions of, you're not going to save me money. Uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield has the best discounts in town. I'm like, huh, that's <laughs> weird because I just saved 60% on opportunity analysis that we looked at. Yeah. So, you know, from our standpoint, if we can get the data and we can do that opportunity analysis, the story really speaks for it in themselves. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of people out there that um, the BUCAs, Blue Cross Blue Shield, uh, United Healthcare, Cigna, and Aetna, known as the BUCAs, as mm -hmm. we all know, but just breaking it down uh, for if, everybody if anything, that doesn't. I think that anybody that's listening <laughs> to this podcast, I think BUCAs are mentioned all the time. It's funny. It's like we we throw around BUCA yeah. all the time, and it's like, oh, yeah, that actually means something. And right. maybe not everybody understands the BUCA. Uh, but, you know, also don't we don't necessarily want to position them always as, oh, we're up against the BUCAs. No. But, you know, they're so big and it's what yeah. the majority of people understand. Right. And so they have done a good job of kind of shaping perception in the marketplace of what Absolutely. works and what doesn't. And so you present a new idea yep. and they're like, well, that's not how my yeah. traditional one works. Exactly. And, oh, here's why that doesn't work. You know, so I think it's I, I you know, I, I also am fascinated by folks that telling a great story, but you're also up against headwinds that yeah. are of people's behavior over a long period of time as well. It's, it's philosophy mm -hmm. and it's just, you know, we get so many members that it, it's too good to be true. Um, and so our, um, customer, uh, success, uh, manager, his, uh, he's changed his title to professional myth buster. <laughs> and that's probably what he does most of the time. Right? Yeah. yeah. So he see, he loves it. And there's just, you know, so many testimonies of members of this, it's too good to be true. Um, one of my favorite examples is a member had called in. She was trying to get a surgery for her son. And it was $4,000 um, copay that or deductible that they had to pay. And uh, called in. We were able to get a letter of agreement. So uh, we were able to get it through zero, zero dollars to her. So she saved that four thousand dollars. And then to put it in perspective, that entire procedure was thirty six hundred. Oh wow! So you can't imagine what that procedure actually cost. Yes, yes, yes. If it wouldn't have gone through us, so. Jeez. I mean. And what type of procedure was that again? You said, or it was, or I don't. Know if it was like a like, visceral. Uh, like he said, he googled it, and uh, he's like, he's yeah. like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> That's what, like, there's a, a t in stop loss, I became aware a couple years ago of a, um, a disease of, like, hereditary angioedema, but it, it's yeah. kind of hard to say, and I had to practice saying it, but HAE is what most people say, right? Like, you, right. Th these medical, technical definitions yeah. are so out there that you're just like, uh, let's give it an acronym, yeah. right? That's, that's funny. Um, so, I know, obviously, you're on the bleeding edge of this, right? You're, and you, we talked about some headwinds and resistance, but 
there's probably going to be a point of critical mass that this is going to catch on and you're not Absolutely. feeling that same sort of resistance. You know, is this something, I mean, maybe what's the next step of this, right? Like this is working, right? This is working great. Sure. Is there another uh, kind of problem that's tangential to what you're doing that also you guys might be looking at solving or you know yeah. is out there? I mean, just to pr put it into perspective, healthcare is a $4 trillion business, right? There are $4 trillion, tr $4 trillion reasons why people want this to fail, yeah. right? They, they are comfortable with that traditional healthcare and just that opportunity to step out of the box. But I mean, COVID's done so much. And even before COVID, you know, more and more people are gravitating towards things that are easy and convenient. You know, you need a taxi, you need a ride, you're calling Uber. I mean, a couple years ago, uh, my cousin was using Uber, and I'm like, what do you mean? It's like a black car? Like, yeah. what? Yeah, and, like, you some know? person just picks you up on the corner. Right, right? Like, like, okay, that I'm, sounds safe. Right? I'm, yeah. I'm confused, yeah. right? Yeah. And then you have DoorDash. We have Amazon, of course. You know, Airbnb. I mean, most people are looking at Airbnb instead of a hotels. So healthcare is such an old way of thinking Healthcare has to change, and what we're calling that shift, it's called a member-first economy. Okay. And what that member-first economy, it's a seismic shift, and what that member-first economy is, is it's giving options. Yes. You don't have to take that first price. You don't have to go to that doctor. You have options. And what Zero is guaranteeing is that we're, if you have an MRI, if you have something that we cover, it's zero dollars, zero copay. So what's next for us is really, you know, just making sure that A, we're providing our providers with the members that we're uh, talking to employers in the area. So for here in Texas, it's Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, um, and uh, Austin. Um, so primarily all of the metropolitan areas and then uh, Oklahoma, uh, started the company in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, and then Kansas City, and so there's some a couple other areas as well. So I don't want to get into the details well, it, of it. Yeah, but is it you know it's something that is still kind of matriculating out it right is. to, to yes. the rest of the country, right? Right. And it, I always I always loved that the fact that the epicenter of a lot of these new ideas is is Oklahoma. You know, yeah, it's random. Funny. You know, and, but it's funny too because I would call in that territory as a sales rep, and yeah. and it's like. Oh, yeah, they, they'll give you Oklahoma, too. And you're yeah. like, okay, cool. And then you go and find out, well, wow, there's actually some great ideas and there's a lot of self-funded groups out here. And, yep. you know, it's just, you know, whatever the perception or whatnot, it's, it was cool. Like, oh, they're, they're coming up with solutions that yeah. the rest of the country is going to adopt eventually sure. as this novel idea of like, oh, I get to know what I pay ahead of time. Yep. And I get to know how much something costs when they give me a procedure. It's just, you would think that that wouldn't be considered such a novel idea, but the, we're such a backwards industry, I'd say. And that's, that's kind of the reason why I'm so passionate about self-funding is if you are self-funded, the number of options, like you said, are yeah. nearly infinite to solve right. your problems. And you get to know what your problem's in because you can also see your own data. And yep. so it's just, it's just trying to make sense of everything that's out there to bring it together into something that's cohesive for that particular group that fits that particular group's right. problems. Yeah. It makes, I don't know, I, I get, I get, I get passionate. I, I do too. I didn't want to go on a soapbox, but I, I definitely get passionate about it as well. So, you know, kind of wrap things up. I know we, we had a great conversation. Yeah. We talked zero. We talked a little of the future. If anybody, you know, listens to this and, you know, I never know if anybody listens all the way through or not, but I if anybody, listened. well, thank you. You do. I think I did see, you know, there was a couple of folks that did, but um, no, I, I just joking aside, you know, what is the thing that you would say, let's wrap this up in terms of what would I leave folks listening to, to this today? What do I want them to know? Or whether big picture or small picture, what, what would you like to say? I think the biggest thing is you have options. And um, 
I know that self-funding is not for everybody, right? There are risks associated with it. Um, but I love what Jennifer said on, you know, don't be afraid to fail, take a risk or you'll never know. Um, so adding on to that, what I love about what Zero does is the member first economy, putting members first and we're nothing if we don't have that right. You know, the, the personal health assistance are, are the soul of, of what we do. Um, and just be open, be open to hearing about opportunities to, to make a change um, and changing the status quo because, you know, life is all about taking chances and, and making, uh, taking risk. And you're so great at being able to educate people about that. So listen to Spencer. <laughs> well, I, yes, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Listen to me now. So Courtney, I really, again, appreciate you joining me. This is a fascinating conversation. I think I actually selfishly enjoy bringing folks on that do things that I'm interested in that I don't know that much about. Right. And so my, my hope is that other people gain some, some value in listening to these types of discussions as well. So really appreciate it. Very nice to see you. And thanks for joining. Thank you. Have a great Friday and a great weekend. You too. Bye.